This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name is Lyle Fulton, and as always, I'm here with the absolutely magnificent Jackie Vors. Jackie, how have you been this week? As we're recording now on a Friday morning, the unusually early time of 9am. How are you this morning, Jackie? I know. Well, I'm used to being up early in the morning because I got back from France at, on a delayed flight like 10.30 at night and went straight to A&E with some chronic food poisoning. So I didn't leave A&E, the wonderful Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Lewisham, until about 3.30 in the morning. Not oh, a pretty sight. Oh, there you go. So I'm you're going to be on recovery. fine form this morning. You're going to be on... I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now. I'm fighting form. There you go. I just saw a lot of people who are a lot worse off than me. <laughs> I mean, what they always say, I believe, unless I'm just completely making this up, is like, you know, some of the best podcast recordings are done through adversity. I think they're kind of, you know, sort of done through, you know, sort of challenging, uh, challenging circumstances. And that's what you're experiencing this morning. So, yeah, but buzzing to have you uh, as ever, Jackie. I'm very excited for this week's episode because we are joined by the absolutely magnificent, the wonderful Ben Williams, who is founder and managing director of the Digital Transformation Agency, Kiln. Ben, lovely to have you on. How are you doing this Friday morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy because I we've just sold a flat and we're just um preparing to move from London to Hove at the end of actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um so I'm feeling a bit more settled now that things are a bit more certain. It's been a bit of a stressful couple of weeks, but yeah, it's a good end to the week and great to wrap up the week on this lovely podcast. Yeah. Very kind of you. And also, I mean, I imagine with everything, I mean, we're very much kind of a current affairs light podcast, but with everything going on in the country right now, it must be nice to kind of sign on the dotted line with a house move in the midst of all sorts of craziness that's going on in the world right now when it comes yeah. to that particular space you know yeah absolutely so glad we got it over the line because it's so so mad out there at the moment but um looking forward to the weekend looking forward to seeing some fireworks and looking forward to watching some football and not thinking about <laughs> my passion topic which is digital transformation give my brain a rest on that <laughs> and have- <laughs> so I'm looking forward to resting we might have jackie we might have our first real football fan on the podcast yeah well i can i do yeah. know that ben is an aston villa supporter um so and you. he does know that i'm a seagull supporter so we've had this they're discussion gonna be my second team, by the way they're going to be my second team now well they have to be now that you're moving to hove which is oh, yeah. obviously my uh spiritual home is where all my family lives so yeah so that's brilliant and so you're suppose... gonna have to you know, not that we are in any by any stretch, much as I've tried to make it so at many a uh, brainstorming meeting, much as we are not a sports uh, podcast, uh, Brighton and Aston Villa contrasting form currently, contrasting sort of, you know, uh, situations. Unai Emery. Unai Emery is his first weekend, isn't it, this weekend? Yeah, very intrigued to see how he gets on. It's good to have him back in the Premier League. Good evening and all that sort of stuff. Um, But yeah, but we're not a sports podcast. Ben and I will no doubt uh, offline chat all things football very, very soon. But have you seen that Fantasy Football League Sky programme with Ellis James and Matt, uh, who's the guy from the Select from Bake Off? It is one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. I have seen it. So quick plug for a show that I don't even know the name of. I just watched it last night and it was they did a they do sketches and they were ripping off Graham Potter. Isn't it like the um, Fantasy Football Factory or it's something like that? I think it's like the it's, fantasy football show. I think it's something it like that. It is but, yeah. something like that. It is so, so funny. 
So yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do with the Aston Villa next week. <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah, exactly. There'll be some Unai Emery content, I've no doubt. But anyway, we we, we we digress, as I would right. love to do every week about football. Um, as a, as I'm sure you can hear this just from my accent, a uh, passionate Manchester United fan, because it's fairly obvious I'm from <laughs> Manchester. Uh, there you go. Yeah, there's Ben going. No. Typical. Oh, dear, oh, dear. We're already off on a bad thing. But Ben, as I mentioned, it's lovely to have you here. You are founder and managing director of Kiln, which is a digital transformation agency. Uh, you also, in the past, I noticed have worked at the likes of Apple, in Moby, Channel 4. We kind of tend to open podcasts up when we have guests on, uh, much as we like to look forward as well, by sort of first asking how your career's been so far, how you got to founding Kiln, and basically sort of talk us through your trajectory working in the sort of digital transformation space, really, and, and what you've been up to throughout your career. Cool. Well, I'm I'm 46 now, and I started in 99, so I kind of keep it brief. There was kind of like... I saw it as like, I'm seeing it as like three chapters. The one I'm in there is the third chapter. The first chapter, which lasted for about a decade, was media sales. I worked in media sales. I started selling classified ads for Haymarket Business Publishing Limited, just as the internet was starting to kind of bubble up. In fact, whilst I was there, Haymarket launched Brum Republic, which I think still goes now, but that was like the digital hub for all of their for all of their trade publications. So I did a, a good long stint at Haymarket, and that was great because back then they used to give these great graduate sales training programs and invested a lot into, into sales training. So Dipada, which is a classic sales structure, Presentation training, management training, negotiation training, time management training, everything was sort of like the pay was awful, but the training was brilliant. And I think that training and that discipline sort of set me off then on a, on a really solid career trajectory. I then went to VNU, which now is incisive media. And I know Jackie works at VNU. And we've swapped some stories about that. I mean, like they were they were really renowned for like the computing type titles, both B2B and, and uh, consumer. I worked in the B2B bit, the recruitment online piece. So that was my first proper foray into uh, into online, which was fun. And then worked at a couple of companies. And then things really started to kind of transform when I managed to wing a job at what was called Project Kangaroo, which was a big online video initiative, which was the BBC, Channel 4, and a few other broadcasters coming together to put everything into one place. That was called Seesaw. It had a very short life. It was then sort of incubated for quite a long time and it's now known as BritBox. So I kind of worked on that project very early days, actually. So that was sort of like the first chapter, sort of just blagging it, working in sales, figuring out what <laughs> I was going out a lot. I was in my 20s and 30s. It was mainly all about the Thursday nights and the weekends, right? So it wasn't. I wasn't really too passionate about my career or anything. It was literally, I was working in sales and that was paying for my social life. But when I had to start to grow up a little bit, I then identified that the next big growth area was going to be mobile. And so I worked really hard to get an interview out in Moby, um, which back then was the world's largest independent mobile ad network. They're now huge. I mean, it was India's first unicorn, actually. And I mm. came in when they just secured their $200 million investment from SoftBank. So that was brilliant. And I did about I did about two years then. I would have done longer, actually. I had a range of roles there. I was general manager for their rich media unit. I was their trading director. You know, I used to get involved in products. I used to get involved in all sorts of stuff. 
I used to kind of, you know, manage all the big partnerships with Habas and Group M and things like that. And it was a really exhilarating role. And the founders are awesome. Uh, but I got headhunted by Apple um, when they were rebooting the IAD team. And IAD was the precursor to what is now their ad platforms business, which includes search ads, which is a juggernaut in of itself. And I did a period of time there, which was brilliant. And I managed the global relationship with WPP. So that was a that was a big role. And that was kind of like, Whereas previously at Inmobi, I was involved in all sorts of different things. At Apple, it's very different. They have you focused on one particular skill, one particular specialism. And so that's what I was focused on. It was it was purely a business development role. And it was working with WPP and it was doing all the partnerships with Sky, Nike, Unilever and all these brands, which was which was great. And then my old boss from Seesaw or Project Kangaroo, Matt Rennie, he was managing director of the Box Plus Network, which was a joint venture between Channel 4 and Bauer. And he um, contacted me and he said, look, we're looking to, to bring in our first chief digital officer for our division. We need to move from being a traditional broadcaster and and get a digital chief in and have a new strategy in place. And I took a bit of a pay cut, actually, and I, I went for the role because I could see the opportunity. And that was fantastic. We managed to build a bunch of apps and get those onto connected TV, games consoles, you know, mobile, you know, other platforms to manage to achieve a huge amount of delivery in a, in a really short space of time. And that was that was really fun, you know, working for the Box Plus Network, which but essentially is the is now known as Four Music. So it was ultimately acquired by Channel Four recently. So it was for music and, and the other sort of music brands within their portfolio. So that was great. But then I was headhunted back to Apple, right? <laughs> Which was weird. And I, like, I think I was in one of the very few people that's ever been hired back to Apple. You're in the middle and of a tug that- of war between Channel 4 and Apple. It was a weird time. I kind of got caught up in being headhunted. And, and I think I, I let my ego run away with me a little bit. And I actually thought, hold on. And I was going through some big life changes at the time as well. I was going through a divorce and all of that stuff. And I just recently turned 40. And it was that sort of like really interesting moment in your life where you've got so much going on. And long story short, I was like, hold on. I've always wanted to do my own thing. I'm going to go and do my own thing. I'm going to completely flip the script now. And I'm going to start my own business. And that's when I started Kiln in 2019. So that's a short plotted history of business development and products in big tech, small tech, online video, mobile, do, 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 do. and here I am. Here I am now. Nearly, I'm coming into nearly four years doing Kill now, which is which has been which has been a ride. It's been a blast. I'm just so impressed about how you have managed to grow Kiln and attract such amazing an amazing team around you. Yeah. Because it's crazy the talent that has literally flocked to be around you. Why do you think that you've been able to to do that? Because it's hard starting a business, but it's even harder to get really great people. At the end of the day, all you've got is reputation, right? Mm. I think one of the things that I'm so careful of is how I conduct myself. You know, of course, you know, look, I'm human, you know, I've had fallouts in the past and that's just natural, but they've been sort of, you know, contained, you know, we all, you know, you can't get on with absolutely everyone, but every project I've committed myself to and every professional relationship and personal relationship, you know, I always show up for it and I, and I give my best, right? And I think 
that was just the discipline that was instilled at me I suppose it's quite a young age really And, and I think ultimately over time what's happened is that reputation and then also the investment into the brand you know Warren at Design by Country and one of my best mates as well who won't be named he's been helping me with the overall narrative he does it sort of unofficially as a mate but I'm not going to call him out because he'll probably get into trouble because he's got a full-time <laughs> job moonlighting so, no, I'll help you offline Jackie um, <laughs> you know, all of these things coming together you know has started to then create a brand essentially and that brand is now starting to take a life force of its of itself and it's quite fascinating to watch that happen and I think the, the first moment where I started to see things taking an uptick is when my good friend Mark Stanton Bennett, who's a CTO by trade, 25 years in the financial services sector, brain and heart the size of a universe, right? Uh, we collaborated on a project at Takumi, which was then headed up by Mary King Dawson. We collaborated on a project. I was brought in as Kiln to do some product development for them. Uh, but they needed a CTO and Mark came on board as a consulting CTO. And then during that time, we realized that we really enjoyed working together. And so at the back end of last year, we kind of went, oh, hold on. Is there something Is there something here, actually? So Mark and I came together at the start of this year and we launched Kiln. We, we, we evolved Kiln from being what was originally a growth agency. It was We were working with startups and scale-ups. Yeah, you were. And you then, really sort of help them sell and develop their business. But now it started, but it evolved, right? So what the narrative is now very clearly in and what we're selling to clients is digital transformation. And that that what evolution is that? of the narrative. Tell what people is digital what transformation? digital transformation is. Because a lot of people call things digital transformation when they're not. Let us know what the kiln definition of digital transformation is. Very, 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 very simply, without any buzzwords or anything, we help companies develop roadmaps and we help them deliver those roadmaps too. So we give them uh, practical solutions to help them deliver on a vision, essentially. So we tend to go in with them. We only really work with C-suite, not C-suite that can drive change across the organisation. So we go in and we'll go, you know, it could be like, for example, a consumer media organization that has traditionally been focused on print that needs to now look at what online looks like in 2022 and help them with a roadmap for that. Or it could be a global fashion brand that needs to start looking at what blockchain and um, Web3 means to them and help them catch up with some of the other luxury brands that are playing in that space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how to get from point A to point B to point C, but doing it in a practical way. So we give them a roadmap and we give them the plan and we leave the plan to them to deliver themselves or, or we we help them with that. And most of the time, the clients usually ask us to oversee the, uh, the delivery of that plan as well. And oftentimes those are deeply technical solutions. Yeah. But I love the way that you combine that sort of technical expertise with a real recognition of what a client's brand should look like in the future so it's like that really great mix which is why I was excited to see you bring on MKD right so that's when things really took a turn right this was <laughs> this is one of the best, of the best I'll, I'll tell this story again and again and again so so Mary 
had just finished her interim CEO role uh, uh, time out and um, she had some stuff going on and um, I met with her in, in April for lunch and you know she'd been spending a bit of time in Ireland and she'd just come back and I was sat with her in Kettner's because you know I like, always like to take Mary somewhere somewhere nice you know nice. Mary's Mary's been a great advocate of Kiln anyway because you know she gave us the Takumi projects and she also uh, signed off on the Time Out projects that we've just uh, finished uh, a pro- big project with them actually which has been for the past six months and I said to Mary I said oh um, we were kind of just finishing up our lunch and you know I just said what do you want to do next Mary and she said I want to work for Kiln and I nearly <laughs> fell off your stool sat- at the Kettner's <laughs> bar <laughs> yeah I was like what because I was like in my head, you know, Kiln was still started in my bedroom in London Fields, right? That's that's my sort of like visual. We all see it that way, though. I mean, anyway, we don't well, see I'm the most say that way as yeah. well, right? And I'm thinking, Mary King, wasn't it, Kiln? So anyway, so what we did is we, um, you know, because we're all grown up. So what we did is like, well, let's let's sort of experiment over the summer, right? So come on board and we won't announce anything and let's start looking at stuff and see if we all get on in this sort of, and we we did and we do. And um, so we we made it official and we announced it in, uh, I think it was in September we announced it. And um, so Mary is our managing partner for business growth and she is essentially responsible for, for new business, but it's much more nuanced than that. Mm. You know, ultimately, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. There's some strategic partnerships, which is going to help us launch into the US, for example, which we're just forming right now. Mary's been a big part in bringing that partnership to the table, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, we've got me. So it's me, Mary and Mark. And it, I think it's nice, you know, diversity for me is so, so key, right? So mm-hmm. if you look at the team, but more importantly, if you look at my partner network as well and my associates, which is in the, which we talk about in my creds deck, which isn't publicly mm-hmm. available, but whatever it's a diverse team because I, 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 we've got to have different perspectives coming in, right? Yeah. Um, and also, I'm a great believer on the what you see on the street really needs to be reflective within your organisation. Yeah. Um, and I just that is a very, very broad guardrail. So yeah, so me, Mary, and Mark right now, and then some announcements coming next year as well about further growth, which I can't talk about yet because they're not formalised, but I'm excited by them. Yeah. I mean, that has to be the biggest compliment that you could get is a client going what I like what you're doing I've got to come and work for you yeah it was um it was a huge compliment and I I suppose I just took it as validation that the approach that we've got is probably you know we're on the right track do you know what I mean because I think you know we all get in our own heads at times and um sometimes you think am I doing this right you know what I mean like we all have that little bit of self-doubt like are we is this the right track but when you start to get signals back from people and you gives you confidence then and it's like certainly not arrogance but definitely confidence to give you a stronger platform to build on to go okay well i think i think we've 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 tapped into a good narrative here with delivering work i mean client testimonials are really really quite i'm really quite proud of the testimonials that we've had back and that gives us a really strong footing for 2023 um so yeah looking forward to the opportunities that we've got you've you've um, had a fascinating trajectory from my perspective because very early days especially from a salesperson's perspective people when they first start their businesses really concentrate just on getting the business in doing the business getting the sales you know getting the the revenues up 
but you took a very different approach because I met you, we both met on a client engagement and really yeah. weirdly, we've run very parallel lives. As you said, I've, I worked at VNU, you worked at VNU. Inmobi was my first mobile ad network client Need and you were Inmobi. So, you know, we've kind of been on these sort of parallel sort of tracks. And what's been really fascinating to me was that you really started your business with branding in mind right from the start. How did you make that decision? Because I really, and, and I don't know, this is just my perspective, but from what I've seen, what I've observed, that brand has seen you through, you know, building the strength of that brand has really helped you, you know, sort of break through some of those doors of into client engagements that other people necessarily wouldn't do so at, at such an early stage. And it's trademarks now as well, which was uh, which trademarked in the UK, just looking at USA trademarking right now, it's got to do it in a stage way because otherwise you just spend all your time and money with lawyers and you've got to pace it. Being a small business owner, you've got to sort of like pace things and sequence things. But I, um, I'll tell you why I did it, right, actually, which is I've never, no one's ever really asked me this question, but I've met some pretty bad consultants in my life and I didn't want to be tarred with that brush. So I wanted to give myself a visual identity, um, which is great now because that visual identity isn't just me. It's also Mark yeah. and Mary and everyone else associated to it. Demosa included, right? Me and, me and Kion and Demosa have a partnership in place, which mm. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that how that develops uh, in the future. And so I knew I needed a visual identity and like, you know, like like everyone, massive film, music fan and just looking at, I love the creative process. I'm fascinated by it. I'm one of these people that will watch directors' commentaries or watch, I pour over music documentaries and especially my favourite albums, like how are they made and, you know, how do producers work and how does, all that whole creative process is something that I've always, always been fascinated with. And um, one of my good mates, Warren, who runs Design by Country, um, and I've known, you know, I mean, Warren used to go clubbing back in the 90s. We go back, way back. When I was having an initial discussion with him about branding, he was like, Ben, what do you want it to look like? And I said, I want it to look like a 1970s Californian surfer movie poster. And he went, all right, I get that, actually. He said, (laughs) I get it. We didn't actually have a name at that point. And the person who will not be uh, mentioned because I don't want to get into trouble, uh, I went through a naming process with him and identified a name. And once we'd identified the name and once I'd briefed Warren on the branding, then two things came together quite quite quickly. And so what I wanted to do was just have a... um, Bruce Wayne has his suit and that's Batman, right? And that gives him that identity, that superpower thing. So it's kind of like humans love optics visual storytelling and it's a it's it's almost like by having that visual representation there's a power greater than you just as an individual and it's it's starting starting to come together now because obviously the the team is is now starting to grow and we can all sort of sit under that under that branding and identity and then I always tinker with it there's always a tinker once or twice a year you know little and often a tinker you know what I mean I like not over the top because then that's like that's a bit obsessive then but I'll try and have once or twice a year I'll kind of go back to Warren and I'll say look this is this is how we're looking to evolve the narrative this is looking and we will kind of play with it but I can't touch the brand the actual iconography of the brand now because that's been trademarked that's sort of locked in now for hopefully ever. Is having a bit of a tinker with the branding and kind of the aesthetic of things 
kind of synonymous with advice you might give to a prospective client in terms of how they need to keep a digital transformation strategy alive themselves as well. Do you know what I mean? It's never, nothing should ever stand still. It should always be something that's alive and adapting and evolving. Is that advice you tend to sort of give to your clients as well as they move forward in what's a very kind of dynamic space? Yeah, iteration, right? You've got to iterate and you've got to, you know, slowly make these course corrections as, as things progress. You know, because like, for example, external forces come into play and there'll be a big industry update, you know, for example, five years ago, no one would have foreseen the app tracking transparency update in iOS and which decimated the ad tech industry pretty much or no one would have seen, you know, coronavirus or whatever, like these things kind of come in. So you have to adapt and iterate. And and I suppose it's a, it's a good point, actually, Lyle, because when we do when we deliver work for clients I, the way i see ourselves is an alter, like a cool independent alternative to mckinsey bain accenture right where you get these slick partners coming in and giving an <laughs> awesome sales presentation right and then off to a bunch of analysts that are working like 16 hour days and then they get handed this 100 page document and that's it. And they probably get paid half a million bucks for that, right? Or more. And it's like, I hate that. Like, that is mm. not what I'm about. And I think we're much more like the way I like to see ourselves is how a producer would work with a musician, which is we coax the best out of the client and we sit with them. Now, the producer has to deliver the record, the album, the stream, the track, whatever, right? The music video, whatever it is, right? You got to deliver. And then that, that has to you know, that has to get some numbers behind it, right? It's got to get some plays, it's got to get some sales, it's got to get some views. We adopt a similar approach. So we kind of come in and we're like a uh, producer for our clients and we sit with them, we get to know them. You know, that's so important, that discovery piece. In fact, we um, we said no to a client recently because they didn't want to do the discovery work. They wanted to go straight into solutions. Well mode. done. And we were, we, well, like, no, I, like, I, I know can't it's just, hard. I, you can't, like... I can come up with good ideas on the fly, but I'd rather not. So I'll pass. Go and find someone else that can do that. And that client's actually just recently potentially come back as well. So I think they've realized that they <laughs> yeah. gotta just go through that process. And I think, but this is the other thing as well. I think in our discoveries, like everyone else's discovery, which is it drags on and we keep building you as much as we can. And actually the output is a bit yeah. shoddy. And you know, maybe there's a it's a PowerPoint deck, which there's a previous client name accidentally in there somewhere and all that stuff, right? Ours is like bespoke work. So, and the bespoke work is where we sit down and we kind of, we 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 get to the nub of what the problem is and what the requirement is. Then we can design a solution, right? Then we can kind of go, okay, we've got an unbiased view from the organization. And now we can understand truly what we can now hold a mirror up to you and go, right, these are some of the challenges, you know, like for example, a lot of publishers are sleeping on the fact that, you know, there's some massive privacy changes coming down the pipe from Google. And they're kind of like, we're kind of saying to a couple of our clients, like, are you like giving any thoughts to this at the moment? Do you want to maybe look at the Google privacy sandbox link? And do you want to see what that means to you? And, you know, signal loss and how that's going to, you know, impact your CPM and then the impact your CPM and that's going to impact your top line and your bottom lines. You maybe want to, we we don't we don't scaremonger because you know that's we, we we're not the sort of people that would just go there and just go these are problems these are problems these are problems we go these are problems but these are solutions mm. and it just takes time to get it's to that really point interesting isn't it this is an excellent point you made the parallels 
between what you just mentioned in terms of the industry you work in, something that Jackie's alluded to in a previous episode of the podcast as well, a client that I don't even think was named at the time, but an example you gave Jackie, I seem to remember, was that you'd, after a bit of pressure up from, from a certain side, kind of gone straight to, fine, let's just do a results-based thing. I capitulated. Done, I didn't do what Ben did. Not done the messaging um, uh, meeting. And and I, you know, I, I like to kind of, this is kind of one of my lialisms, is drawing parallels um, <laughs> between sort of the PR industry, industries that guests of ours work in, and, and the industry I've worked in for a long time, which is the performance industry. And it strikes me as a bit like going on stage, having not rehearsed a single thing. And just kind of like trusting you know I mean? kind of instinct. And uh, believe me, listeners, I've done that and it ain't fun. Uh, it's <laughs> it's really it's really terrifying and you're not prepared. You don't have the resources um, necessary. Unless, unless well, there we go. everybody acknowledges that's an improv. Yeah. But and, and improvs can be faulty. Improvs can go wrong. Improvs can come up with some streaks of genius as well. Yeah. So, you know, that brainstorming, that barnstorming, that's all great in its box. But as Ben said, when you're going through a strategic process, if you mm-hmm. give out one of the core tenets of what you deliver, you're kind of screwed from the start. And I did make that mistake. Not like Ben, he stuck to his guns. But, you know, you've got a client going, no, 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 we don't need this. We don't need this. I just want to press on. And I'm too soft, as Dak continues to tell me. And I'm like, okay, then I'll <laughs> give it up. And I should never have done it. So I'm always bravo to people that say no to clients. And I've started saying no a lot more these days. Yeah, I think you've got to, I mean, Steve Jobs famously talks about, you know, say no more often than you say yes. I mean, he's obviously in a different orbit because obviously he will, you know, he was an off the dial genius. But there is some elements that you can take from that, which is, um, and I suppose this is a really interesting point, actually, like humans have fear. And a lot of these fears typically if you trace it back are actually like fake or false narratives that we give ourselves so we're constantly fearing about money fearing about business trying to fearing about passing up on something fear of this fear of that fear of that and I think that fear can actually feed into you as an individual one making the wrong decisions and I think once you start to overcome your fear a bit and just go actually do you know what everything's probably going to be all right if I keep putting solid good action in in an industry that I'm passionate about do you know what I'm probably going to get a result right yeah. if I keep like Tim Ferry said this he said you know if you just go hunting in the woods and blindly sort of sh- shoot your gun you're going to find something right you're going to yeah. hunt something you know if you start to layer in some strategic direction into your business outreach you know good network and solid you know history and credentials it's okay to pass on stuff you yeah. know what I mean it's fine this, I feel like this is important. I, I actually, in, in my current situation, I almost needed to hear this as well. Like I kind of, I believe it, but I needed to hear this. I kind of found myself the other day, uh, you know, we'll talk about this another time. I'm sure Jackie, but like I found myself the other day going, about it now. Like, I want to know what you're talking yeah. about. I mean, I just, I do, I do lots of different things, uh, which is obviously very exciting. And and I'm, I'm very glad to say that. But then someone actually asked me the other day, what's your job? And I kind of went, <laughs> oh, oh God, I, I don't know. Um, I'm a, I'm a, and I and I and then I self-deprecate. I go, I'm a jack of all trades, master of very few, uh, kind of thing. When actually I should just be like, oh, I just I create things, you yeah. know, on stage. I'm a creator, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. But I kind of found myself sort of wondering what it was. It's an interesting point, Lyle. Actually, like um, one of my friends, you know, he talks about like make sure that your internal narrative 
is positive, right? Talk to yourself positively. Mm. Don't play yourself down. We're all, I mean, we're all, we've all got these mad brains, right, that we're, we're born with and we have to we have to manage them. To, you know, and it's, look, I like to self-deprecate too sometimes just for a laugh, right? <laughs> but I think when it comes to the serious stuff, you know, back yourself. Mm. Back yourself and give yourself a positive narrative but to your point, Lyle, I mean, like, if you are struggling to describe what you do, maybe just just figure that out a little bit. Just spend a bit of time just writing it down and going, I am, what do I do? I'm a content creator. What do I do? I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a creative yeah. sort of consultant. I'm that. I think self-care and doing some work on yourself, you know, we all need to find time to do that, which is like, what's your own narrative? How do you pitch yourself? How do you put your elevator pitch? And I think we're all guilty of letting that drift a bit. And sometimes yeah. you just got to, all it takes is literally a notebook and 30 minutes in a coffee shop. And you'll probably be in a better place than you was when, you know, 30 minutes previous. You're absolutely spot on. I think sometimes, you know, in any industry you're in, I think, especially with the way the world is right now, you're so spot on in what you say. And I, I found it interesting as well. You spoke about fear, which is like I say, I mean, as ever listeners, we're going down a going down a rabbit hole here, which I absolutely love. And I'm loving this <laughs> chat um, uh, with uh, with Ben. But I think it's this idea that, you know, mm-hmm. talk about fear and talk about the pressure we put ourselves under. I was actually speaking to my wife about this the other day. The pressure we put ourselves under kind of means that we we move from thing to thing and it's like, must do this, must do this, must do this. And you're so right. We never kind of take stock of what it is at times. It can be simply what it is we're even doing. You know, what what actually are we even doing and, and giving ourselves sort of some kudos, giving ourselves some praise for actually having yeah. achieved that thing that some that, that lots of people, no disrespect to the rest of the populace, might not be able to do. Do you know what I mean? This is something that, you know, we are, you know, well-placed to be able to do and well-resourced to be able to do in terms of our own faculties and skill set. Um, and yet we kind of just go, oh, but yeah, I did that. I think my dad said to me the other day, I, you know, something I chat with him on the phone. He was like, oh, what have you been up to? I said, oh, you know, I just uh, edited this uh, episode of the podcast with, with Caroline from The Times. And he was like, you say that as if that's just something that people do. You know, you kind of say that think, as if that's just that's something the, people do that's every day. The, that's like the London vibe, isn't it? Like we work, work at such a frenetic pace and it gets trained into you. And then when you talk to people outside of like your mom or your family and you're like, and you give them just a bit of a snapshot, they've been working on the like, what? <laughs> but yeah. I think that's, that's the case of London, isn't it? That's it. Um, keeps you match fit. Exactly. But at the same time, I mean, just 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 try not to make any decisions based on fear. fear. Fear keeps you small, you know what I mean. And I think once you start to open your mind and realize that the the capability you've got as a as a human, and um, also it's never too late to reset and go again, right? I mean, I I yeah. did so at the age of, at the age of forty two. I know someone that's done it in their fifties. You know, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you if you're in the wrong path, you know, whatever that is, you can reset. You know, you can always change direction. Yeah, you well, really can. I it's, it's harder when you've got huge responsibilities. It's harder when you've got, you know, a mortgage to pay and, you know, kids to to bring up and all that kind of thing. But Ben, you're absolutely right. You can always reset. And yeah. I think sometimes we are driven by our kind of responsibilities and our fears. And that kind of takes us down a narrow path. And as you said, Lyle, just having an appreciation of actually stepping back and saying, okay, yeah, this does sound, this is kind of kind of big. This is kind of cool. And having sort of a bit more of a kind of like Jesus view of our lives is, is kind of important too. A friend of mine took me through, um, we were talking about this topic a couple of years ago, actually. And he, he was like, Ben, what's your, what's your biggest fear? 
right? So what's your biggest, biggest fear? And I told him, and I went, he went, all right, what would you do in that situation? If it was to happen, what would you do? And I talked it through and he was like, so how do you feel about it now? I was like, do you know what? The pennies just drops that even if the worst things happened, it's manageable. Mm-hmm. You can actually manage your way out of it. And once you kind of start to figure that out, and we all have the same fears, right? Losing loved ones, running out of money, being destitute, yes. all that stuff. Yes. Is there health? Yeah, health's a big one. Mm-hmm. I think with health, though, a big thing about that is the preventative nature of it. Yeah, we're it very well? much you know, one about this, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I'm part of um, Digi Learning. I'm a trustee of Digi Learning, which is a charity which is training youth from underprivileged backgrounds to to get careers in digital you know to get them into a good career trajectory and I've just recently introduced someone uh, into the mix to to give a talk to the uh, to the team uh, to the community in January and it's one of the um black belts at my gym BJJ black belt. yeah uh, it's called it's called Beda and um he's, uh, he's Jordanian and he's he's incredible and I want him to kind of come and talk to them about because it's not just the hard skills of like, oh, what's programmatic and oh, what's connected TV and blah, blah, blah. It's like, actually, what, what does health and discipline and routine and diet, how does that all feed into things? And I think going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I think, you know, lifestyle choices as well. I mean, I stopped drinking, what, four years ago, right? And, you know, my health has improved massively since then. And I, I took the decision to to stop drinking because... One of the reasons was I wanted to give Kiln a crack. Well, I yeah. wanted to give it a really good go. And to give it a really good go, I needed to be consistent. And to be consistent, I'm sorry, I had to say goodbye to, to my... Booze. I had to go up. I had to say goodbye to the booze and the lifestyle that goes with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why and we, this is where we are completely again in line. I stopped drinking yeah. three and a half years ago just shortly after you. We didn't know this until we actually first met, did we? Until, we, sat there. until we both thought of non-alcoholic Bex or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it was a Bex Blue. <laughs> and you said to me, you can have a drink, don't don't worry about me. And I was like, no, you can have a drink, don't worry about me. <laughs> don't, that don't. must have been <laughs> such a surreal and nice moment. Like a... You know what? Oh, With wow. Ben, it was the first time I've ever been out on a like an evening celebratory dinner and none of us drank. We just had really lovely food. We went to the Scargo. Yeah. We sat with Mary King Dawson, Mark, yourself, all of us not drinking and having the best time. And yeah. it is so important, I think, these days to sort of not feel like you have to get into that kind of like boozy kind mm. of it's it's it doesn't help especially when you're trying to be consistent when you're trying to focus on delivery um I haven't talked a lot about my sobriety I certainly I just decided to give myself a month off and then it turned into three months and then it was just like yeah. I don't actually want to drink it was just a complete yeah. surprise to me and people who know me well know that I, I'd be the first person to be getting on the booze on a boozy lunch oh, yeah. time and be like yeah you know rack them up um, Me too. So I've done a complete 360. <laughs> it's like when you've got responsibility, you you kind of have to look at what you've got on your plate, and some things some things just have to go over time. Do you know what I mean? And I think you have to adapt, right? You know, going back to like what we were talking about in terms of iteration, you've got to iterate on yourself mm. as well. And I think, mm. like for me, I just wanted to remove the obstacle, which was which was booze and that and that lifestyle, because 
Fridays were a write-off. Yeah. Monday yeah. mornings were a write-off. And I, so I've lost, a, I've lost what, 30% of the week already? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 30% of the week is just gone, right? Mm. And I think when, you, when you're starting a business, and I'm, I'm sure people listening to this podcast, you know, not everyone's going to start their own business. It's not, it's not relevant. But when you are starting your own business, you know, there's a lot that you've got to stay on top of. I just knew that if I was just going to constantly have hangovers and whatnot, it's going to hold me back a little bit. And I think, you know, when I'm mentoring, um, mm. I'm just about to start mentoring some of the people at DigiLearning, actually, That's starting from December. I've just been matched with someone. You know, the importance of like, you know, if you, if you do drink alcohol, if you do do recreational drugs, you know, whatever, just just keep a lid on it a little bit. Don't yeah. let it, you know, just, just keep that balance of work, rest and play in a good spot. And, and and invest in diet, invest in exercise, invest in sleep, all these basics that, that you know, these tech bros that talk about getting up at like 4am and, you know, I do, I do eight, nine hour days, right? And I'll take an hour off for lunch and I get a lot done. And, you know, I have my evenings off. I might send a few emails on my phone. I might do a to-do list on a Sunday night. I managed to, you know, balance. I'm not... Yeah, you've got to balance yourself because if, you, if you're unhappy... Or if you're tired or stressed, you're useless. Yeah. We're like, you know, you've got to think about us as performers. Like when you're on, you need to be fresh, ready, full of ideas, full of energy. And then that sees you through to the end of the day. And then when you start to run out of energy, call it a day and go and watch Breaking Bad. Exactly right. But I was going to say, yeah, I mean, first of all, fantastic reference, spot on. That's something I might just do today. I'm late to the game on it, by the way. I'm late to the game on I it. I was too, by the way. I really was. I had friends being like, you've got to go and watch Breaking Bad. And also, like, at the time, as someone who was, like, sort of fully invested in acting industry and stuff, they were like, you've got to watch the performances in it. They're absolutely outrageous. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> when I was in, I was in, though. That was, you're absolutely spot on in that. I was so late to it. I went Better Call Soul first and then backed. And then I was like, okay, I've really got to watch Breaking Bad you see i've heard that's almost the way to do it though because it's like well, the sequence you to... is correct it's a prequel so that's actually it. the sequence nice actually that's it that's it but just going back to it i mean uh, it's really interesting because this site this idea of work-life balance has sort of come up increasingly with with friends of mine that kind of feels like we're kind of venturing into that as well but i was thinking about work-life balance a few days back actually and the idea that in black and white the sort of fundamental definition of work-life balance is the eight hours you work a day balanced with the time you have off and fair enough that as a definition still stands the test of time but work-life balance as well is that the life side of it now increasingly I think informs your work more than it ever has because you're drawing on outside influences to inform how good you are at your chosen profession or professions you know in, in my case and some other people's cases and it was really interesting earlier on Ben when you spoke about how you like to think of how you work as like a producer to a musician, a producer to an artist. I mean, how much does sort of outside influence play a huge part in your creative process when you're sort of building a roadmap for your clients? Because it strikes me that that's a really, really um, central part of what you do. 100%. You've got to take inspiration from people and you've got to learn. Like if I'm not learning, then... Well, also the best way to learn is to teach, but you also need mm. to go to the source as well. So you need to be... So I'm, I'm very fortunate with what's happened over time um, with the projects I've worked on and the networks I've been dropped into and da, 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 I've, I've, I've managed to get myself into like this tight group of Jackie included of subject matter experts I can go to the source for anything as it relates to extended reality as it relates to DeFi as it relates to 
distributed ledger technology as it relates to non-fungible tokens i can fortunately i can go direct to the source but in terms of like creative it you know post covid it's sort of like taken a bit of a knock like i'm not networking as much as i did and i do need to kind of like address that um you know it's great to get to events like games forum and get out there so i suppose one thing i need to work in fact my business partner mark is i'm quite jealous actually he's literally just been in the, in the us for the past six weeks on a client engagement but he's been going to all of like the really yeah. great conferences that have been going on recently seen on his LinkedIn he's he's everywhere isn't he he's everywhere and he's like you know he's meeting Matthew Ball and talking about the metaverse and he's at the <laughs> economist conference in LA or wherever he was or San Francisco and he's at the financial times thing and, da, da, da. and every time I'm talking to him he's like oh my gosh the opportunity out here for DeFi is blah blah blah, blah, blah. and I'm like I need to actually just that's what I need to top up on I need to top up on that you know but what I do enjoy doing um as well is is just blocking myself off and reading and I I, I get one or two days a month where I can do that and the life hack for that by the way if anyone wants a little life hack get a membership to the British Museum and read obviously I don't read the scripts in there because you know I could be sitting in like African and Asian history sections and I'm not going to be reading that because like that's not relevant to but you can't make phone calls you can't receive phone calls you know I turn my email off and I read and I take notes and I I kind of absorb information that way as well but the networking piece is is important I do I do need to get back on that horse post-covid to get further inspiration yeah. so I'm, I'm not quite it's not perfect but yeah you need external inputs you know if if I just relied on what was in my own brain and didn't take external inspiration you know my inputs you know would have would have been dated at 2016 you know <laughs> not at all have, have you heard about the app store evolve and adapt and i'm passionate and interested in my topic so it goes in easy but then i just have to build time within my day to make sure that i'm that's i'm getting so so important is keeping building your knowledge base keeping informed how do you do it i find it so hard i mean obviously setting time aside and having subject matter experts but do you do I mean I kind of rely on the Google alerts to just come through and be continually searching for information for me Twitter's great make sure you get a good curated Twitter follower feed that's great and then learn by doing so get involved in the projects too Mm. you've got to drill it otherwise you're book smart not street smart you've got to combine the two things you've got to drill it so you can be do all the theory but then you've got to go and put it into practice. And so yeah. you've got to do partnerships between organisations in this space, you know, to do that, like, you know, gather requirements, because I'm also a product person as well. You know, you've got to literally interview people, gather requirements, capture them, write them down, brief people and deliver work. So I think once you get into my space, you've actually got to, you've got to do the theory, but then you've also got to do the, applied version of it as well mm. and deliver and a lot of the time and I think this is what I always watch out for is like I suppose myself is like can you write it down like if you've got a client engagement 
and and I because I'm a product manager also by trade you know a lot of the time I have to be writing user stories so I've got to do discovery I've got to replay the discovery I've got to gather requirements I've got to capture user stories and I've got and that's the bit where that keeps me absolutely in the zone then because I'm that's the purest source of information. But for those that are coming, I know it's one of your briefing questions as well, but just to kind of cover off anyone that wants to come into Web3 that doesn't have their stripes yet, just get involved, man. I mean, like um, if anyone in this podcast wants advice, I'd happily answer questions, give pointers to good sources of information for a topic that they're interested in within Web3. But yeah, I think you've got to turn to your question, Jackie, it's that balance of theory, but also the application of that theory too. Because otherwise, like if you look at MMA, right, for example, people might watch a bunch of YouTube videos and go, oh yeah, I could do that. But if you then drop them in the ring, it's a very different story. No, 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 exactly. But also it's people like to see that as well. Do you not think, you know, if you're approaching someone prospectively with the aim of working with them, people like to see that you've also gone and applied your skills yeah and just sort of you know having everything on paper they want to see that you have experience of doing it right absolutely and I think going back to um an earlier question about why I actually created a visual identity and I'd seen some bad consultants and you know consultants that would just come in and go oh hey look at this new development and and I'm like great brilliant what what, but what does that mean to us as a client oh well we haven't really um that's not the brief for today I'm like that's not really what clients want clients want okay well what does augmented reality mean to us as a business and then you've got to go down a bit of a funnel you've got to go okay well what is the knowledge of the c-suite okay it's fairly light so let's do an let's do an introduction to ar maybe bring an ar expert in to kind of do that piece and then we can start looking at the applications of ar for you as a business right or that vr or DAOs or whatever topic that's that's burning at the moment and I think as well as humans as well you know you know someone's winging it and you know someone's not I mean we just know you know we've got Mm. our subconscious processes information what a million times faster than our consciousness you know we've got these like radars that can spot BS right so we tend to stay on and I think a, a, a thing that I'm quite proud of our average engagement for kiln is at least six months if not getting on to a year yeah. our average engagement that's really strong yeah so yeah. like you know because like the you know the the consultants that you know that I want to kind of disassociate myself from you know they tend to come to projects for like one two months and that's not what I'm about I don't want to stay on projects for too long because you know I'm not a full-time employee and um you know I like to move on and, and keep fresh because those new projects keep me fresh but I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm found out because if I'm found out, that means I'm winging it and mm. that means I've taken the wrong turn. And that's, I think, I think just having that awareness would, would prevent me from getting into that situation anyway. Hopefully. Absolutely brilliant. I've got one <laughs> final question for you, Ben. We are obviously at our core, a PR podcast, although we are increasingly becoming a podcast of all trades to use a phrase <laughs> that I uh, uttered about myself earlier on. It would be remiss of me not to ask one final question about your experience working with PR agencies, particularly with oh, Kilon yeah. recently. Um, what's been your experience in working with PRs? Like how important do you believe it is for when it comes to sort of your delivery of your work? We've speak, spoken a lot about branding already in uh, in this podcast. I mean, what's been your experience working 
in partnership with with PR professionals? So I read this briefing question and I actually thought about an answer to this. I'm walking to work this morning and I think um, the marketing mix, right? They're all equally important. Marketing, sales, PR, let's kind of keep it simple. And I think what PR does, it grooms you and it gets you invited to the party, right? I think that's the way to look at it, which is which is as important as the other, other elements. Once you're in the party, then you've got to perform, right? And that's when everything else kicks in. That's when your sales narrative kicks in. It's where your marketing kicks in. So your visual identity and the way you've positioned everything. But PR grooms you and gets you to the gets you into the party. You could have the best sales message and the best marketing ever. But if you don't look the part and you're not in the room, then it's not going to land with anyone. And I think PR and comms, that's exactly what it does. And that's what that's what Demoso do really well. And that's why I recommend you guys to everyone that I talk to. And that's why I'm hopefully getting you onto the Velox XR projects next year once we've closed That'd our seat really raise. Exciting. Love like, that. Yeah. coming. And, and the reason why I want you on that project is because we'll have to do a global roadshow and we'll have to try and pinpoint the events that we're going to be at. And then you'll I know you'll help us prep for that. And that's yeah. so important. I don't know, that's not the only thing that you do, but my experience of you, Jackie, and the team is you go, these are the events that you need to be at. This is the narrative that we'll work on you with. And then we collaborate on that mm. because we've got, we come to the point with our own content and you help us tweak that for that audience, which is vital. And then you do all the other great stuff as well. You do the stuff that, you know, press release distribution and, and you know, it's it's, this is where journalists pick up on stories. They always need content. So if you want to, and selling into stories to great publications like TechCrunch and, and things like that, that I've seen you do and Forbes 30 under 30, which we've you did for a previous project that we worked on, you know, you guys are the real deal. And I think um, PR is as important that you've got to get it balanced. Sales, marketing, PR, you get those three things in sync as a client, you're after the races. And you're so right. You're spot on. They've got to be in sync. You can't put yeah. all your reliance on just the one. And I love it that you get it. And, you know, it's not a question of looking at us to say, OK, drive some sales to us. But that's not what PR does. Not, it can be not. a wonderful byproduct of the work that we do. And certainly from coming from a sales background, I'm constantly very conscious of supporting sales in their efforts and making sure that we create a good content foundation and platform for salespeople, like with user stories and everything else. And this is why we've always worked very well together, Ben, because you get it. You know, you understand sales really well. You understand biz dev really well. And you can see how all of those things sort of contribute in that wonderful sort yeah. of circle. And I think, you know, Demoso, best I've ever worked with. Ah, that's what we like to hear. Is the definition of digital transformation. And you define yes. it very well for our. And while we're sharing the love, can I just say how much you've made my week, Ben, by probably being, no disrespect to anyone else we've had on the podcast, Jack included, probably being the first person to have read my document. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. It's glorious I mean, look, to hear. It, it, like, even Boris Johnson read the briefing document. I mean, like, I'm going to do at least what Boris Johnson did. So <laughs> I just, as you were saying, I was actually walking into work and I saw that question. I was like, my heart just went, oh, oh, thank you for reading it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
you honestly well, thank you so much <laughs> honestly that's 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 been a, that's a real fillet for me that's huge for me and thank you so much Ben as well for coming on I think it's as as we always have here on the podcast such a wide-ranging chat so great to hear about uh, what you've been up to throughout your fantastic career so far and long may the success at Kiln continue and I know Jackie's very very excited to be involved with the rest of the Mozo team myself included potentially in my freelance capacity or whatever else that is uh, next year so yeah thank you so much for coming on and and being such a fantastic guest Jackie same time next week well maybe not same time next week but next week uh yeah let's 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 keep it going um and thank you so much to you listeners for listening to the rest is PR I'm going to do the T's and C's now I'm going to do my typical T's and C's at the end of an episode if you would like to head over to our website and see what we've been up to. It is therestispr.com. If you would like to get in touch with us, it is info at therestispr.com or you can get in touch via info at demozo.com. And as ever, if you want to see what Demozo have been up to, it is demozo.com. And head on over to the Kiln website as well. It's worth giving that a shout out because we spoke about the branding earlier. When I logged on to do a bit of research earlier this week, wow bang it just hits you in the face it's absolutely brilliant and i absolutely love scrolling through that so which yeah. is www.wearekiln.com www.wearekiln.com head on over to www.wearekiln.com there'll be a link in the episode description as well for you to go and check out what ben and the team are getting up to over at kiln ben thank you so much it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the podcast this week and listeners we'll see you again next week for another exciting installment of the rest is pr bye for now